You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in Utopia Football Podcast. Football is back in our lives. The bye week is over and uh, the Texans are headed to Las Vegas. Headed there Saturday, playing on Sunday. Um, as we welcome you in uh, to a Week 7 edition previewing the game. We'll do a little for real or for gazy. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610, along with the Hall of Famer, our senior Texans columnist at Sports Radio 610 and GalleriesSports.com, John McClain. John, are you sad that you are now not traveling anymore and the team is actually going to be going to Las Vegas, which seems like fun? You don't get to go on a Vegas trip. I've been to Vegas many times, and I've told my wife, if you want to go to Vegas, just say. Now, Gary Horn from hornsolutions.net, he and his wife Kelly are going, and they invite us to go. And I told them, I said, I'd love to, but I have to write after a game and do a podcast, um, Utopia with Sean Pendergast. But <laughs> truthfully, I love my jobs right now with Sports Radio 610 and the website, as well as Gallery Sports. I like being able to cover games off TV, which I never did, except five times during a pandemic. It's a lot better to get up and walk in front of the TV, plop down in shorts and a T-shirt, instead of get dressed and leave home at 830 like I do for home games. And as far as I, I tell you the truth, Sean, I've been on a plane one time since the Texans' last road game last season in San Francisco, and that was to go to a wedding in October, and I don't miss going to airports and fighting the crowds. And I you know, got over a million miles and three million points, but I have to use them sometime. But this is one road game I would have liked to cover it, have it seen the stadium. And Carol was so angry because I retired from the Chronicle when they get tri- she could have had trips to Vegas, mm-hmm. New York, yeah. Miami, Los Angeles, because she used to go on trips to cities she liked. Yeah, well, and th- this is the best road schedule just for trips that I can ever remember the Texans having. Oh, yeah. This oh, is like, there's not a single bad trip. You, you know, the, the division games are what they are. You can go to Indy, Nashville, and Jacksonville every year. But the other six games that they play on the road, and I'm just doing this off the top of my head, but Dallas, New York, Chicago, Miami, Vegas, and Denver are the six other road games. There's not a bad city among those. There's not, and I've been to all of them many times. I I, I do miss – I have not seen SoFi Stadium. I mm-hmm. have not seen uh, the Vegas Stadium. What's that called? Uh, Allegiant. Allegiant Stadium. 
and I miss that. I've seen every other stadium, and but once the game starts and I'm watching on TV instead of being in the press box, oh yeah, I'll be happy. And when Carol complains about it, I'll say just decide when you want to go after the season. There you go. You're a good husband, John. What does a Vegas trip for John McClain look like? Do you spend a lot of time gambling? Do you go to shows? What do you do? I know gamble. I never gamble. Carol does. She always. We used to go on Final Four weekend, and we she would bet on games for the men and the women. And I remember in like 04 or something, she came back and said, well, I put $100 on Baylor women to win the national championship. I said, well, that's never going to happen. And then, of course, it did. She won a little money. She always bets on her hometown team, mm-hmm. the commanders, to to not win the Super Bowl but go to the Super Bowl. And every year she gets better and better odds. <laughs> and uh, she loves to play the slots and blackjack. And uh, I just watch her hang out in the sports book. And then just like you and Amy, we got great restaurants we yeah. like. And we know a couple people there. And I miss going. Haven't been for the last few years. May have to go back for Final Four weekend this year. Yeah, I think you need to go. Next I think you, Yeah, you need to make that happen. Uh, oh, is the Final Four in Vegas next year? No, no, we just went to watch the Final Four. Oh, I got you. I'm like, wow, that's a big step for the NCAA. They denounced gambling, and now they're in the Final Four in the gambling mecca. That would be something. Um, all right, John, let's get to it. We've got um, a Week 7 matchup. Oh, by the way, um, real quick, I went to uh, Buffalo and Kansas City last weekend. I know, did you have fun? I had a great time. Kansas City is a very underrated city. Um, Amy and I went with Sarah Frazier, my boss, and uh, my boss's boss and her husband, our, boss. our boss, our boss. Yeah, that's true. Our boss. Uh, and um, and we had a great time. She's from Kansas City. So she was our tour guide. And we we hit the Negro League Baseball Museum. We hit the Jazz Museum. We hit a couple shows like jazz shows. Jazz and blues are huge in Kansas City. We did barbecue not once, but twice. We ate at Garozo's, an Italian restaurant downtown that was amazing. We watched football games at a big sports bar. We drank a lot. We ate a lot. We exercised a little bit, Amy and I, at the hotel. We actually got our steps in and whatnot. And the game was incredible. Uh, you've been to Arrowhead Stadium God knows how many times. I've, I've never been. Um, oh, my God. My first thought, John, at Arrowhead Stadium was Justin Reed must feel like he's playing football on a different planet this year than the than – the, place he was playing the last couple of years um it's incredible my first trip to arrowhead stadium i'll never forget the oilers lost to the chiefs and a rookie running back nobody ever heard of named joe delaney mm. he ran for like 180 yards and of course he drowned trying to save kids and after that game the pr guy for the chiefs bob springer knew the astros were playing in the American League Championship Series, seventh game against the Phillies. And so he stayed late in their restaurant in the press box so Dale and I could watch that game. And my God, I wish we hadn't. The Astros led with Nolan Ryan on the mound and got beat, and the Phillies went to the World Series. And and that was the worst time I've ever been. One other story about Arrowhead. uh, in uh, This must have been in... 1989, Marty Schottenheimer, the in his first year as the coach, beat the um, Oilers. And afterward, I went into the bathroom at the back of the press box across from the entrance to their lounge. 
and I go in and I'm staring, I'm, I'm using the urinal. And next to me is a urinal, the Schottenheimer. Now, I don't know what he's doing up there, but he's talking to somebody in stall. And as he's taking a leak, he raises his head back, looks to the heavens and says, oh, God, I love to beat that bleeper. Meaning Jerry Glanville. <laughs> and I always remember that. And I still don't know who was in the stall. Oh. But Marty, Marty had so much fun. And I wanted to say, Marty, oh, what a relief it is. But I couldn't. <laughs> Did you know Marty Schottenheimer at that point? I I had met him, and but he didn't he he wouldn't have said that if he'd known who I was. Right, right, right. Reporter. And at that time, most everybody was gone, but it was so much fun seeing how much uh, how much pleasure he got out of beating Oilers and Jerry Glanville. That's hysterical. That that is that's hilarious. Yeah, it was a great time. I it's uh, it's you know it's really it's an experience. We went to Green Bay last year, Amy and I did, and those are two places where you just go to and you're like, man, if it could if it could be. 50% like this someday <laughs> at, at NRG stadium. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm not asking for much. I get those two teams have storied history and it's also outdoors in October and November. So it's got that football feel to it. Um, but it's um, it really is crazy to kind of see how the other half lives right now. Absolutely. You know? And they have multiple Super Bowls, So maybe someday when the Texans, if the Texans win multiple Super Bowls, it'll become like that in NRG State. That would be something else. All right, John. So let's get into this matchup between the Texans and the Raiders in Las Vegas. Raiders are seven-point favorites in this game. Their record is not as good as the – well, it's good. The, the Texans have a better record than, than the Raiders. They're 1-3-1. and one. The Raiders are 1-4. and four. So the difference between these two teams in the standings right now is that week one tie against the Colts for the Texans. Um, but the Raiders, I think, clearly the more talented football team here. Um, so let's do this preview, John. Let's do it the way we always do it, pregame six-pack style. We pick six things in this game, six storylines to lay out the game, and then we'll give our predictions on the game. And as always, John, the floor is yours. You go first. What is your first angle, person, storyline, whatever, for this game on Sunday? Thank you, Sean. In the Raiders' last game, they lost by one point at Arrowhead Stadium. And they have not lost a game by more than seven. They've lost, I believe, four games by 14 points or 11 points. Between the two teams, you know, they've only lost one game by more than a touchdown. And so the first thing you got to do is stop the run. Josh Jacobs is in the last year of his contract. He's off to a very good start. Texans have played the run a whole lot better the last two games. In the Jacksonville game, they gave up 75 yards in the first quarter, 61, I think, in the last three. So they have played better run defense. And the Raiders have become a running team instead of a passing team because Josh Jacobs is doing very well because he's running for a new contract. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Josh Jacobs averaging 5.4 yards per carry, almost 100 yards per game. He's had two really good games in a row. He was great on Monday night against the Chiefs. Um, very similar, I think, just watching him, John, similar running style to uh, to Damian Pierce. The two aesthetically look alike. Same, similar body type, similar, you know, want to to break tackles. Um, and I think what's interesting, too, about Jacobs, he and Saquon Barkley both are in their contract years. Uh, they're, that's, it's going to be – it's been a while since we've seen free agents – free agent running backs hit the market – having as good a seasons as Jacobs and Barkley are both having, assuming that they both stay healthy and continue what it is they're doing, at least some semblance of what it is they're doing right now. 
Um, but yeah, shutting down Josh Jacobs is, um, is, is no doubt a key. He's been the catalyst for, for their offense. And John, yeah, you, you brought up the, the margins with the team right now. The Raiders have the best scoring differential of any team with a losing record right now in the NFL. They're one in four, but their point differential on the season is only minus five. So I think you're right. I think 14 is the differential in their four losses because they beat the Broncos by nine. So their their overall point differential, they're one in four, and they've only been outscored total by five points this year. So they're they're a decent football team that just they that hasn't made the plays that they've needed to along the way here. All right. So your first one is is Josh Jacobs. My my first one is going to be I'm going to go to the Raiders passing game and Derek Stingley Jr. versus Devonte Adams. John, I'm kind of hoping that this is that this is a game where just for I, I'm strategically, this may not be the best thing for the Texans to do, but I don't give a rat's ass about strategy and winning and losing as much as I do watching player development. I would love to see the Texans let Derek Stingley follow Devontae Adams around the field like they did with Cortland Sutton against Denver, just to test him and see how he would do. Adams has statistically not been as good with the Raiders as he was with the Packers, which shouldn't be a huge surprise, I guess. Just you go from Aaron Rodgers to, to, uh, to Derek Carr, but he's he's barely catching half of the half of the targets. He had a big game on Monday against Kansas City, but it was all on three catches. He had two huge long touchdowns. Um, but Derek Stingley has allowed a passer rating of under seventy um, when he's been targeted so far this year. Um, Stingley's been he's been nice. Sauce Gardner is probably the best rookie in the league right now, which is a tough look for the Texans because he was there for the taking when they took the other cornerback near the top. But I like Stingley. I like what he's done, and I'm anxious to see if Lovey Smith lets him spread his wings a little bit on Sunday and play against Devontae Adams. I wonder, yes, Sauce Gardner has played well based on all the analytic sites, but the fact that he plays with the Jets and the Jets are winning, they're a huge surprise, mm-hmm. and he's getting all that publicity in New York and around the country right now. Brees Hall and Sauce Gardner will probably be offensive and defensive rookies of the year. But uh, there's a long way to go. But I don't think Texans would have to be a big surprise like the Jets before Stingley would get the kind of publicity that Gardner has gotten. Now, Petrie's got a better chance at defensive rookie of the year than Stingley right now. He does because he's safety and he's in a position to make more plays because he can blitz, he can hit, and he can cover. Where, as you know, if Stingley does his job, they're not even going to throw the ball at him. But that would be a great matchup and a great learning experience for him. My next one, Sean, would be staying on the quarterback subject. The one thing they have to do coming out of the bye week, throw the ball better, especially down the field, not dumping it off and not having Brandon Cooks average nine and a half yards of carry. Get the ball to Nico Collins, who's averaging 18.9. And Davis Mills has to play better. And Pep Hamilton has to call signals better because the passing game at this point has been a huge disappointment. Yeah, no doubt. Um, we're still waiting for that Cooks breakout game. Nico, you know, is, John, do you ever, do you view this within the like the like through the prism of there being a number one and a number two wide receiver? Because Nico's been more of a number one than Brandon Cooks has this year so far. Usually, it's the guy that has the most catches, and that's the Cooks. And they haven't thrown the ball to Collins enough. You know, mm-hmm. he's averaging 
three a game. He needs to be up there around eight and nine. Yeah. Let's see what he can do. He's made big plays in the last two games. They beat the Jaguars. They were in position to upset the Chargers. One reason was because of a long catch he made, and they need to get him the ball earlier, and they need to get it to him more often. And if you see him in one-on-one coverage, throw it up there and let him fight for it. Well, Las Vegas's pass defense sucks, so this will be a chance to – to if they're going to do it, this is the week to do it. Uh, the, the Raiders – are giving up a passer rating of 106.7. Um, they've given up 11 touchdowns, only two interceptions, and their completion percentage they've allowed is almost 70%. So if Davis Mills, coming off a of bye week especially, if, if he's going to make some hay and show some improvement, this would be the week to do it, which brings me to my next um, my next storyline or, or player to watch in our pregame six-pack, which is Titus Howard. And Laramie Tunsil to some degree, but Titus Howard, you know, Max Crosby, they move Max Crosby around. Max Crosby, the Raiders have eight sacks all year. Crosby has six of them. He's been really, really good this year so far rushing the passer. He's got 20 QB pressures, so it's not just a case of him. He hasn't pressured much, but then when he gets there, he does get him down. He's applied pressure, and he's brought the quarterback down this year. They move him around quite a bit, but from a lot of the, the highlights I watched, I saw him lining up more on the right side. At least the plays he was making largely came off the right side as opposed to the left side. And if I'm the Raiders, I would line him up over there as well. They got Chandler Jones to line up over Laramie Tunsil. Crosby's the more productive guy. Put him over there, and he's probably going to beat Titus Howard a time or two in that game. Hopefully not, though. So Titus Howard, Tunsil to some degree. Chandler Jones has been able to put pressure on the passer, but he has yet to get a sack this season. He's got 16 QB pressures, but zero sacks. Crosby has 20 QB pressures and six sacks. Crosby is the key guy to make sure you keep off of Davis Mills. So I'm going to say Titus Howard, John, is my next pregame six-pack item to watch. I'll be interested to see if George Warhoff, the line coach, provides Howard with any uh, help from, say, A.J. Ken or tight end. Uh, Laramie Tunsil can handle most most pass rushers by himself. And it doesn't sound like the Raiders are getting much of an inside push like every team would like to get. You know, then I I started to, on my third one, I started to see the Texans pass rush with Jonathan Grenard having only one and a half sacks and being injured last time. But I thought of another one we can't let get away without talking about, and that would be the special teams. Yeah. Because the special teams have been tremendous all season. What they need the special teams to do is score a touchdown because the offense has the fewest touchdowns in the NFL mm. and the Texans have done great kicking. They've done great punting. They're doing well on coverage, whether it's forcing a fumble and returning it, the special teams have to do even more than they have because this team is offensively challenged, especially when they uh, cross midfield, you know, they're, they're 60% touchdowns. Problem is they can't get close enough to the red zone to have more opportunities. So maybe the special teams will put them there. Yeah, John, right now in, in DVOA, which is the football outsiders efficiency metrics, the Texans are the 28th best team in the NFL. They're 28th offensively, 26th defensively, and second in special teams right now in DVOA. Frank Ross and his crew have had a really good season. So along those lines, you're right. There, there's going to need to be things that they do to – if they're going to win this game, there's going to be need to be things they do that don't show up in the box score. You know, special teams is sort of that. The invisible yards, the field position, stuff like that. I'm going to go with an unconventional last one here in the pregame six-pack, and that's Nick Casario. 
and his knowledge of Josh McDaniels and the fact that they've spent not just time in New England together, but time going all the way back to college together. I do wonder if Nick Casario is maybe a little more involved this week in putting a game plan together than he normally would be. If it didn't leave it just totally up to the coaching staff and he sat in and thought of maybe what a few tendencies or wrinkles might be that his good old college buddy from John Carroll and his former New England co-worker might have. So that's my sixth one, John. Is it? Will there be a play or two along the way where it looks like the Texans defense knew exactly what the Las Vegas Raiders offense was doing or vice versa? You know, the, the, the especially though the, the, the Raiders offense versus the Texans defense because McDaniels is an offensive guy. Are there a couple times this game where it looks like the Texans were basically cheating off of their paper and able to sing off the same sheet of music? That's my sixth one. That's a great one, Sean. I didn't think about that. In fact, I think I'm going to make that my column for Friday on SportsRadio610.com. I want you to have that, John. You can have that. I will not put at the bottom Sean Pendergast contributed to this column. (laughs) You know, Casario's the quarterback. It's hard to believe him as quarterback as small as he is. And I don't mean just short. I'm talking about he is not a big filled out guy. Mm-mm. Maybe he used to be. And McDaniels was one of his receivers. So that's a great point. He's got to know Josh McDaniels better than anyone because they go back so far. Of course, they watch tape and they're going to watch Josh Jacobs and Derek Carr and how they can stop that pass rush. But tendencies are what you look for. And I'm wondering when he was coaching the Broncos, if Casario saw him do things there that he anticipated. And now he's probably thinking, okay, third and two, what would Josh do? What did he used to do? Oh, he had Brady, so it always worked. <laughs> but that's, that is a great angle. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that, that's going to be something that Nick has tried to downplay, I would say, over the last week or so, but I think it's significant. All right, so, uh, John, what's your prediction on the game this weekend? Uh, I'm predicting the Raiders will win this game 27-20. to 20. Okay, yeah, I've got the Raiders 34-24. to 24. So I've got kind of a high-scoring game coming out of the bye week for both these teams, but I think the Raiders get the win and the cover, and they will move to 2-4, and four, and the Texans fall to 1-4-1. One, uh, before taking on the well, the Titans, I guess the following week. So that'll be something to dig into. The Texans will finally be back at home, John. It's gonna it'll be a month in between home games for the Texans when they play in Week Eight. And they're capable of beating the Titans. They beat the Titans last yep. year and then lost to them by three in a game Tennessee had to win to secure home field advantage in the playoffs. And the Titans are not as good as they were last year. Now they play the Colts and the Texans back to back, so maybe they can put a little distance. Uh, between the Colts and the Titans for first place in the AFC South, but they're beatable. All the AFC South teams are beatable. All right, John, let's do a little for real or Fugazi. So we're on the record with what we think is going to happen, Raiders and the Texans. I've got a few storylines from around the league, even a Texan storyline in here, as well as some power ratings related for real or Fugazi. In the, if, you're just, if you're new to the podcast, for real or Fugazi is basically like true or false, but we like to – you know, we like to spice up the lingo, the lingo a little bit. Um, I will uh, read off a statement to John. He will tell me if he agrees, you know, if there's truth to that statement for real or if it is false, if it is just a, a, a it's it's a it's ridiculous or in other words, fugazi, which is we like to say Italian for counterfeit. All right. So I'm going to start with a Texans related one, John, for real or fugazi. Jack Easterby is responsible for Nick Casario being in Houston as the general manager. Is that for real or fugazi? Fugazi, they tried to hire Nick Casario when uh, 
Rick Smith died when Rick Smith's wife was ill and yeah. then she died from cancer. And Bill O'Brien, at the instruction of Bob McNair, called Bill Belichick. Belichick said no. So then they need after Easterby got here and they fired, let's see, it's always interesting. They fired Brian Gain and mm-hmm. they wanted to hire Casario. And then uh because Easterby had gone back for a ring ceremony or ring party at uh Kraft's house, and he was seen talking to Casario a lot, which he would because they're friends. And they said, we're going to fire tampering charges against you. So they didn't go after him. And what was interesting to me, why would Nick Casario have come here when O'Brien was here? Because O'Brien was the GM. Nick was not coming as the GM. Nick was coming for a lateral move and couldn't get out of his contract. And then when Bill was gone and they could make him general manager, they got him out of the contract. And uh, he came down here. But uh, no, they were after they were hot to try because of Bill O'Brien to get Nick Casario way before Jack used to be came to Houston. That's interesting. So when they tampered to get Nick Casario, it wasn't to it wasn't to have him come here and be the GM. No, Bill was the general manager. He was going to work with Bill. I don't know what kind of t- title he would have given him, but he would not have had authority over Bill O'Brien. Interesting. Interesting. All right, let's do the next one, John. For real or Fugazi? For real or Fugazi? Cliff Kingsbury is stealing money right now from the Arizona Cardinals. For real or Fugazi? I think that would be a for real. Just about everybody, the fans, the media would say that. They have really struggled. They can't win at home. They got a terrible, it's like seven losses in a row. Good news is DeAndre Hopkins is back from his six-game suspension. Maybe he'll help Kyler Murray throw the ball better, and their offense will be better. They've just been really bad. Two and four, huge disappointment. He could be the next coach fired. Two and four, and if I remember correctly, I remember at least one of their wins is over the Raiders in week one, and they had to come way, way back from behind in that one to win in overtime. Remember that, John? They converted a two-point conversion on the last play of regulation just to get the game to overtime, and then they scored on a scoop and score in overtime. Like he's, They're, they're lucky to be two and four right now. <laughs> If you, if you go back to where they, how they finished last year, he has a terrible record for going on close to a year and a half. Yep, he sure does. Yeah, yeah he is stealing money, no doubt. Um, all right, John, uh, Jim Irsay, uh, in an interview yesterday, said there is merit to the case of removing Daniel Snyder as the owner of the Washington Commanders. For real or Fugazi, Jim Irsay is right. Uh, Jim Irsay, is, that's for real because – there is ammunition to do that. Now, they'd have to have 24 votes. He would sue them. And in the lawsuits, he would try to force the owners to have to open their books, which is the worst thing you could possibly do to them. They don't want people to see their books. So he's not interested in selling the team. He could get he could get maybe seven or eight billion dollars for Washington because if he did sell it, there'd be an agreement almost immediately to build a new stadium, probably closer to the district. But uh, everybody probably feels like Ursay does. They just kept it quiet. Jeff Pash, Roger Goodell's right hand man, told him in that meeting, according to ESPN, look, you got to show patience and don't be speaking out. The investigation is ongoing. 
All right, John, a couple more here for real or Fugazi. Tom Brady was spotted at Robert Kraft's surprise wedding ceremony last Friday or celebration of Rod Robert Kraft's marriage, surprise marriage. Um, and that's a sign, given that Brady had a game on Sunday in Pittsburgh, that he has definitely checked out, as some have speculated. For real or Fugazi, is Tom Brady, is that evidence that he has checked out? I think it's for real because – he is all about dedication, teamwork, hard work. He missed a walkthrough. Now, does he need it? Of course, he doesn't need it. But when he was cussing out his offensive linemen, don't you know they're thinking, well, at least we were here when you took off for New York. And if he didn't know ahead of time what was going on, why would he have showed up? They said nobody knew it was for them getting married uh, until they got there. But I thought it was bad luck. And the Buccaneers can make excuses all they want, but it looks to me like Tom Brady has one foot into retirement for real. All right, last one, John. Brady's former team, Bailey Zappi, the rookie quarterback out of Western Kentucky and HBU before that, is the first rookie since Sonny Jurgensen in 1957 to go 2-0 and in his first two starts with a passer rating of over 100 in each of those games. For real or Fugazi, Mac Jones has been Wally pipped by Bailey Zappi. Fugazi, they're not going to – I don't think Bill Belichick will bench him. The only thing wrong with Mac Jones, he got hurt. He won't come back till he's 100%. But they got to feel so much better. The one who's got to feel bad is Brian Hoyer because why in the world do they need him? He's hurt. But when he's healthy, why do they need him? Bailey Zappi was from Victoria and played four years at Houston Baptist before going to Western Kentucky and throwing 60 touchdown passes. Has been a huge surprise and a better quarterback than Cooper Rush. Yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. The Bailey Zappi story is is a is a cool kind of I don't say under the radar. We're obviously aware of him here, but it's it's not getting a ton of attention around the league. Mostly the attention around the league, John, and quarterback-wise, has been going to this slew of older quarterbacks that are all underperforming right now. You know, it's either, I looked at it, John. There, there's, I think, I think I saw seven starting quarterbacks is what I came up with that were drafted before 2013. So these are all guys in their early 30s, late 30s. In the case of Brady, mid 40s. And the guy having the best year right now out of all of them is Kirk Cousins. Like Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson's awful. Uh, Tom Brady, we just talked about. Uh, Matt Ryan. You know, they, they won a couple games, but he's not been great this year. Um, I'm missing to Tannehill, uh, missing one other that was drafted. Oh, Stafford. Stafford's not been good this year so far. Um, it's really it's it's kind of wild. This whole notion of, oh, yeah, these guys can play forever is kind of taking a hit this year. Maybe those old bones just need some time to warm up. Maybe. Maybe they'll be better from here on out. You know, Brady at some point, you know, he's 45 years old. It's not surprising. Matthew Stafford's getting hit a lot. Um, think about Matt Ryan. He's just coming off one great game. First yeah. time he's played well from start to finish. And it's hard to judge Ryan Tannehill because he doesn't throw the ball enough. Yeah. But you're right. The young guys, and I think it's such a great story when you see a guy like Zappian. Think about the Broncos, the new owner, Fred Walton, and he tells the GM, George Payton, okay, tell me again. Well, we traded two ones, two twos, and three players to get Russell Wilson. Then we gave him $245 million. Yeah, the trade is one thing. But, like, yeah, I, John, I swear to God, when they gave him that contract, I'm like, you might want to test drive him for a game. 
as a Bronco before you go giving him $250 million. Like it's, he was not great in Seattle the last couple of years. I don't know why they thought all of a sudden that, that going to, to, and it's going to the Broncos would be some sort of elixir. It's not like he didn't have weapons in Seattle. He had two really good receivers with Metcalf and with uh, Tyler Lockett. Like I, I didn't get it when they did that. Um, but you know what? It's Denver's problem. I'd rather have the Texans' quarterback situation than the Broncos' quarterback situation because they can't get out of that contract no. for a couple of years. And yep. they they've got to have to get a new coach because Nathaniel Hackett's going to be a one and done. Yep. How does George Payton, who was hotly pursued when he was in Minnesota, turn down a lot of teams till he got one he thought was ideal, and that was the Broncos. And he comes in, and they've been worse on offense. They're really good on defense, mm-hmm. and uh, because they're still playing, I think Vic Fangio's system. But uh, to make that move, you talk about making a mistake. Oh my God! And then giving up so many draft choices. Brutal. They gave up more than the Texans for Laramie Tunsil. Yep. And you know how much that's hurt the Texans not having those picks. Yep. And. The fact that Wilson, and I'll tell you this, if Walton wants to talk to Wilson, he's going to have to call his manager since uh, he doesn't give out his digits to anybody, including his teammates. Unbelievable. <laughs> Russell Wilson. And that's the other thing, John. Like, he's not even likable. <laughs> It'd be one thing if, if you gave a guy $250 million, he'd trade all these draft picks, and then at least there's, there's a component of likability to him. Russell Wilson is so phony and corny, and he's just – he's the worst. He and Sierra both, they're awful. I'm sure they're very generous with their money and whatnot, but oh God, I don't know how far I'd make it into a road trip with with Russell Wilson. John, if I had to if I had to drive to Lake Charles with Russell Wilson from Houston, I don't think I would make it to Channel View before I'd want to kick him out of the car. Well, you take him, I'll take Sarah, his wife, <laughs> and uh, we'll meet you all there. Okay, sounds good. I'll, I'll distract him for you, John. <laughs> all right. Uh, so we are done. Your pregame six-pack in the books. Your preview of the Raiders game, check. And for real or Fugazi, as always, highly entertaining with the great John McClain. Uh, John, I enjoyed it as always. What do you got Thank going you. on before I get to, before I cut you loose? So you got, you're going to have a report card in the next couple of days. You got all kinds of stuff going on. Well, I do a report card for Sports Radio 16 after the games, very extensive. And then I write uh, observations on Tuesday, which I have a lot of stuff on Easterby this week. And then I'll have a column uh, for Friday that uh, I just thought of a great idea. Will the Texans know more about the Raiders with Nick Casario being so familiar mm. with Josh McDaniels? That just came to me while we were talking. Mm-hmm. And on uh, Gallery Sports, I sent a column in on Wednesday morning advancing the game because it was at night. And then I'll have one on the Texans on gallery sports. One of the things I like Sean about being able to work for gallery sports is I can write about the Astros, the Rockets. And of course on sports radio, Six Ten as a senior Texans columnist, I stick to the Rockets, but after all these years of just covering one team, the flexibility has been tremendous and being able to do these podcast with you has been great i said last week i called it euphoria and landry locker almost caught me doing it again i said look euphoria is what i experienced doing a podcast with sean pendergast as opposed to being on here with you (laughs) and uh so be sure and check out the utopia podcast yes hey john can you uh can you let me know when that column about how much Nick Casario knows about Josh McDaniels goes up, because I would love to steal a few ideas from it for my radio show. Yeah, be here. It's all yours. I'll okay. Post it. <laughs> Thanks. It'll, it'll, uh, 
and Brandon Scott will post it okay. early Friday morning. You might learn some things. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, no, I need some material. That would be awesome if you could do that for me. All right, that's it. We're out of time. Big thanks to Figgy Fig for getting this podcast out to you guys. Without Figgy Fig, you would not have the greatness that is the Utopia Football Podcast, so we appreciate Figgy doing his thing. Hey, John, enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll, uh, we'll do it all again next week, my friend. You too, Sean. I look forward to it. All right, good stuff. The great John McClain. I'm Sean Pendergast, and we are out of time. We appreciate you tuning in to the Utopia Football Podcast. Email us at houmailbag at gmail.com. That is where we get all of our mailbag questions. Mailbag runs on Wednesday. We record on Tuesday, so get us those questions in early in the week so we can answer them. houmailbag at gmail.com. Download, subscribe, share, give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the game this weekend, everybody. It's Sean Pendergast, John McClain signing off. Have a great weekend.